24 of the Carers Link podcast. I'm Sam, and sadly today Cameron can't be with us, but we have a great podcast in store. We have Kelly from Carers Trust, we have Hannah from Carers Policy, and Janine from Education Scotland. So I think it will be an amazing podcast, and I'm really looking forward to this. So, uh, hello everybody. Um, I think let's just dive straight into the questions. Um, so, first question. Is there anything you think that schools could do to help carers more? Uh, I will start with an answer and I will let the others jump in. So I think more awareness raising about young carers is always a great thing for schools. There has been some great work over the past few years going on. Some schools have young carer awareness boards with their local young carer service. They invite their local young carer service to come in for in-service days to do training with teachers and they also do assemblies and PSE lessons which I think is really working well. Some other schools have young carer cards, there's some different great examples which I think work really well. Some have young carer groups um, so I do think that schools could be doing more awareness raising and one of the days that worked well this year was Young Carers Awareness Day where they asked young carers in their school to perhaps do an awareness raising, if they were comfortable with it, to do awareness raising, or young carer services to come in and do something else. Um, this is Janine from Education Scotland. And I think everything that Kelly has said there has, is, are excellent processes. But I think a really basic thing that schools can do is teachers and practitioners and people support assistants can build really good relationships with young carers and their families so that they feel safe and comfortable in school, especially when they want those opportunities to share information, share their concerns. Um, because if they don't feel comfortable, then schools might not know some of the experiences that they have. Um, I think teachers and people support assistants also need to be vigilant um, to, to look for, out for the needs of young carers, look out for their well-being, and, and particularly notice notice if anything changes for the young care um, and then be sensitive about maybe speaking to them or speaking to their families about that and I also think they can take extra care to be respectful of the young care and of their family um, and they can do that by being tolerant and empathetic so those are some of the things I think teachers can do on a very personal level to help young carers. I'm not sure there's much more I can add to those answers. They were really good. I know um, from a policy side, we were getting lots of feedback from young carers about um, teachers not necessarily being that aware of young carers. Uh, and that is how, in fact, Kelly's post came around. Um, and we gave funding to Carers Trust to create Kelly's role to, to really raise the awareness in the schools of young carers, um, their specific needs. And I think the more people talk about young carers, um, hopefully the less young carers feel there's any stigma or anything to kind of be worried about so that they can come forward as Janine says and, and speak openly about the help and support that they feel they need. Um, and I think um, from what Kelly was saying there I'm gonna um, kind of target this question at Janine. Um, Kelly was talking about PSE and um, I have some kind of thoughts about PSE. Um, Janine, would you say that PSE lessons um, should have focus on um, young carers and they should talk more about um, the what uh, young carers have to go through and um, how the normal public can actually help them? Um, what's your thoughts on that? 
I definitely think um, that that's a very, very good uh, thing that could happen within PSE. Uh, I think there is an opportunity for um, all young people to be part of designing the curriculum within their school, um, co-designing curriculum with the practitioners. And if that's something that young people within the school thinks would be helpful, then they need to mention it to their, their teachers. And I, but I think it's about building um, a compassionate culture for, for young carers and for all young people so that they feel included within the school. But I, I think specific needs for specific groups could be brought up in PSE classes, definitely. But I think we're, there's a, there's, in Scotland at the moment, we're looking at a refreshed narrative around the curriculum. And we're very keen to make sure that young people are involved in designing that curriculum so that it suits them. And PSE, PSE is one of the key areas that we want to do that. And I, can I just jump in from the, the ignorant person that's not got a child at school at the moment? What is PSE? I can answer that. Um, so PSE is, I think, personal social education. Um, so that's basically I was talking about um, the kind of quote unquote real life issues. Um, so that could be drugs and alcohol. So that kind of thing. Um, and what kind of we should do to stay safe. Um, and I think it can in certain points it can be quite outdated, um, but in others it's quite modern. Um, so I think, yeah, if we were able to talk about stuff like carers and young carers, that would be that would be really helpful. Um, so yeah, um, moving on, um, how do we all think uh, schools can help raise awareness um, of the many different issues uh, that young carers can face, um, and what um, and how they can support them with that? Um, so let's start off with Jeanine again. Uh, Jeanine, what do you think uh, schools could do to help them? Well, I think a very important point is about the young carers statement. So we can do um, general training of staff and professional learning of staff through in-service days and through um, things like the young carers page that we have on the National Improvement Hub and we developed one with during COVID-19 specifically around young carers and all those things are very, very good. But the young carer statement is very personal to the young person. And because each young carer will want to be treated in a different way and want the school to respond to them and their needs in a different way. So I think it's quite important that those, that staff are made aware of those statements and the amount of information that the young carer wants to be shared is shared with staff so they can be empathetic and uh, towards the needs of that young care. So I think that's a key way. We've got general training that we can do with all staff to raise awareness, but I think a, a key thing is sharing that knowledge from the young care statement because that makes it personalised to each young care. Yeah, amazing. Um, I think, yeah, I agree with that completely. And uh, for any listener that's kind of wondering um, or that doesn't know, would you be able to talk about the uh, care statement and um, if if a young carer doesn't have that, um, would you want to tell us how they could go about getting that? Yeah, I'm happy to pick it up. So young carer statement is different in every local authority area and Hannah can really give a lot more details around the policy side of that. 
Um, so for any young carer listening, particularly that's not in your local authority area, they can find out a lot more about it through their, their local authority, but sometimes young people don't like going to their council or social work to find out these things, but their young carer service would have a lot more information and also about other opportunities available to young carers. And that takes me on to probably more of an answer as well, Sam, why I'm here, is I think schools to help raise awareness could create really positive relationships with a local young carer service and um, to keep that going so they're aware of all the opportunities and all the resources available to young carers but also aware of things like young carer statement and where a young person can go and get this to fill it out. Um, and Hannah do you have anything to add to that? Yeah just to kind of reinforce um, the fact that a young carer statement is actually enshrined as a right for young carers to have in law so under the Carers Act, um, it makes very clear that every young carer um, should be offered a statement or should they ask for one, they should be given one. Um, I know later on, actually, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on with the emergency coronavirus bill and how that's changed that slightly. But um, for all intents and purposes, you have a right to one of those. And we have actually had a lot of feedback from you guys that um, young carers themselves don't fully understand what a statement is. So we're working with young Scott and Kelly to try and put together some information to empower young carers themselves to understand um, what a young carer statement is um, and how you can go about asking it. Because um, I think if you are armed with the knowledge, then you can go forward and, and push and ask for that. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I think that was a really good explanation of kind of what it is from everyone. Um, and I think the next question that we have, um, which is a very uh, topical question right now, um, and I think, again, this will be for Janine. Um, how did the education department kind of facilitate a safe return back to school? Um, and how did they kind of consult all the different departments and scientists? Well, we have been um, supporting um, local authorities in understanding Scottish government's guidance, actually, because the Scottish government actually produced really comprehensive guidance. Um, but obviously every school is very, very different. So they had to, schools had to interpret the guidance and then put it in the context of whether they were an old school, a modern new school with big broad corridors and multiple entrances, or um, whether they had you know, 1700 pupils or whether they had 250 pupils. So each school had to take the guidance and then um, interpret it for their own context. But I can tell you some of the things that schools have um, been doing. So the sort of things that they've been doing is they've been having sta staggered start times and finish times. So there's less traffic within the school at any one time and much more space between the pupils. Using different ent entrances for different year groups or for example S1 to S3 in one if they're limited to two entrances in one entrance and then the senior phase youngsters in another entrance. Um, they've been introducing things like one-way systems um, different uh, staggered lunch times and break times um, within the school. They're doing in things like pre-ordering lunch and um, or having grab and go stations where you grab your lunch and go. So there's no congregating of young people. Um, that's another thing. Some schools are bringing their people straight in and straight to class and not congregating in sort of like the social areas. If they do have social areas in school, they're generally trying to um, say, this area is for one year group or one group of youngsters. And then that's, they're opening things like their sports halls to do things like that. 
They've got sanitation stations generally at the entrances to the school, sometimes on different floor levels within the school and sometimes even within the classrooms. And that in classrooms where they have, they're using equipment, they've maybe got cleaning caddies or they're using um, their own equipment for the, an individual child and they'll just use that equipment and nobody else's. And in some of the practical subjects, they've been doing things like, they've been limiting a few things, like for example, no singing or woodwind. But if they are, they haven't stopped um, science lessons and technical lessons, but they may be splitting the lesson out over two or three classrooms. So there's fewer young people there and um, maybe with more staff. And I know in some schools they're using things like visualizers and home economics. So the teacher can still dem demonstrate, but it's done on a screen rather than um, the youngsters being around at a desk. So there's been lots of things. They've even created things like YouTube videos of science experiments so that you're having to handle equipment and, and bring those sort of um, local authorities have helped by bringing, making sure that the schools have the sanitation and PPE if it's appropriate and signages in the schools. And they're having introducing extra cleaners or cleaning regimes throughout the day. So. I mean, that's just a very small um, number of things that schools and local authorities are, are doing to make sure that it's safe for youngsters coming back into school. But I think one of the key things that they're doing is they're making sure that they're speaking to the young people, speaking to their families to say, is this working? And I know in some cases, you know, youngsters have said, this one-way system isn't working. We're getting a bottleneck here and they've changed systems. So I, I think it's really important that they remain responsive and keep on reviewing the systems that they've got and listening to Scottish Government guidance because that will change. Yeah and um, I think on the whole I think many schools are doing a really really good job. Um, I think of course some schools could do um, more um, but I think overall um, we are still being safe um, and it's going quite well. Um, now to get back to uh, talking about carers and young carers um, I think I'm just going to kind of give this out to you guys. Um, I'm just going to see whoever wants to talk first, they can. Um, but I think are schools doing um, anything extra or are they doing enough um, looking to look after young carers' mental health during this time? Because um, of course, um, the quarantine was very difficult for young carers and carers in general um, in the fact that uh, school used to be a respite. Um, you could have six hours a day away from your caring role um, and that was taken away um, within a matter of days. Um, so do we think that um, schools should be doing uh, extra things or are they doing extra things? One thing that we are doing is um, there is an awful lot of resources out, out there um, to support schools, to support mental health. Now, many of them aren't specifically for young carers. But what we are doing is identifying groups of young people like young carers, uh, young people who may be care experienced um, or maybe have additional support needs who may need extra more targeted support. Um, and we, are give, we have lots and lots of resources out there to support schools to, schools to do that. And I know um, schools are, are, are creating their own bespoke uh, packages around the young people that they have. I would always be very reluctant to um, give um, say that one size is going to fit all. So I think what most schools are doing are doing um, sort of well-being or health and well-being type extra lessons 
as, as uh, in the first couple of weeks. And I think they intend to do this for a good few weeks to identify the youngsters who need extra help and some of those will be young carers. Uh, they're doing uh, that as general lessons, perhaps through PSE, perhaps through um, inductions back into school, specific health and wellbeing days, and maybe doing extra consultation with youngsters just to do an assessment of wellbeing across the piece. But then there are many, many, many resources that are out there that they can use to help support whatever the health issue that the young person has. So it might be anxiety, or it might be just finding it really hard to get back into socialising with other young people and maybe a bit frightened of too many people around them, fear about their health, things like that. There's lots and lots of um, support out there that schools can cherry pick what's going to suit their uh, young people. I wouldn't say that one size is going to fit all across the piece. And I have heard some very sort of like interesting examples of how that's being uh, done within schools. Does anybody else have any examples? Hello. <laughs> um, I think it's also important to note that there is lots and lots of resources for young people outside of schools as well. So I know my mental health colleagues um, in the Scottish Government have been working really closely with Young Scott to develop their I Feel um, work, which has loads of resources um, and signposting uh, young people to different things that will help support their mental well-being. Um, there's also uh numbers you can call there's nhs 24 there's um breathing space there's always samaritans if you're you know in real crisis um and also we have been working with um the voluntary sector to set up um well-being resources for carers um they're not necessarily aimed at young carers um they're slightly more aimed at older sort of adult young carers and adults um but that's also been developed and that there's a there's a hub for that um, so I would really encourage young carers to to look at resources not just within their schools but also outside their schools because there's lots lots of them for them. And I think I would just finish off again by I think um, if young carers out there aren't linked into a service and, and don't particularly want to go along to a group or one to one, do you know they could phone a, a local young carer service for some advice? Or if a young person doesn't want to tell their school that they're anxious or worried or they've had a bit of a, a hard time during COVID, I'm sure their young carer service would be happy to do that on their behalf. We also work closely with our colleagues at Inquire, who are a really good service with the SN and provide lots of resources as well. So just echoing what Hannah and Janine said, there's there's lots out there. And I think it's just finding what fits everyone. And Sam, can I yeah. maybe come in again? It's we don't all act on our own. So we all try to work together. And I think between Scottish Government, Young Scott, um, the Young Carers or Carers Trust will work together. So Carers Trust did a survey of the Young Carers, which gave us really valuable feedback that we can then go back to schools to say this is where we need to target our resources. So a lot of the Young Carers said that they were worried, one of the sources of their anxiety was their schoolwork. You know, they were, that they'd fallen behind in their schoolwork. So that's something that we can feed back to schools to know that they might need a little bit of supported study, a little bit of help with homework um, that's maybe more individualised and bespoke to that young person. So we are all tying in together to try and make sure that we're doing a wraparound service. Yeah, um, and I think as uh, Hannah said, I do want to just chime off that. It's the Young Scott um, 
I think, is it uh, I feel. Um, and that's really good. They work really closely with Beats, uh, Breathing Space, Cam, uh, Childline. They work with tons of people. Um, and I think it's they do really, really well. Um, I was thinking that just reminded me from what Janine said there. Um, do we think that um, schools should put uh, stuff in place to talk to young carers um, and see what kind of needs to be done about their homework, if they're falling back on that kind of stuff? Um, should more training be done with teachers? Um, I think, what do we think about that? I think um, there's definitely a place for it, but I think um, schools need to be sensitive because not all young carers want to speak uh, to the school. So it has to be left that um, the young carer can come forward to do it. I think there needs to be general awareness raising among staff to be ready to, be, to sensitively accept what a young carer wants to tell them so then they could be responsive, but not to necessarily step over the mark and maybe stigmatise some young carers who don't want to step forward and say, um, you know, this is my life and this is my experience, to give them that option too. So I, I think there is a place for um, schools making sure that maybe there's a suggestions box, a drop-in box, a support group within the school, something like that. But it's very much to at the discretion of the young person to um, you know, participate in that. We do have generally within schools now uh, much greater awareness that of learner participation, that we need to ask our young people um, how we should be running our schools and what we need to do to improve. And young pet carers are part of that. And we, we are working quite hard to make sure that we get representative voices from the, the pupil body. So it's not just uh, the kids who are very confident to come forward but they will seek, seek out if they know a young carer say, what would make a difference to you? Um, they're trying to do that. I, I think we're on a, the start of that journey, but I think you'll find it more and more in schools as we go forward. And I think just to echo what Janine's saying, um, yeah, uh, that some young carers may not want to come forward. And I have heard that personally from young carers saying, I don't feel comfortable telling my teacher I don't have a good relationship. Um, but on the flip side of that, I've heard from young carers who have great relationships with one teacher in their school and feel they could go to it. Um, some positives that we have seen in schools are things like some schools have a young carers champion. Now, this might not be a teacher. It, it could be um, a member of the auxiliary staff or the ad administration staff. It could be a janitor. It's just someone that young carers know they could go and speak to. Something else that works particularly well um, is an awareness board. So it, it's got things on it like what is a young carer? What do they do? It's quite colourful um, and they have this for, for other vulnerable children as well, such as care experienced children. And it's just that bit of information that a young carer could go, actually, this, this might be me and know where to turn to. Um, and there's different, so it could have a young carer service on there or it could have the young carer champagne or it could just have a number that might even have carers trust or, or something with Education Scotland on there. So yeah, I think just it goes back to that awareness raising. On, you touched on the subject of training. This is something in my role that I've been piloting over the past year. So over the past year, we've trained um, over 500 student and probationer teachers. So as Janine said, we are in the process and we are starting. So hopefully in the next few years, we, we see a lot more um, mention of young carers coming through schools. Yeah, um, I just want to add, uh, Hannah, do you have anything else to say? Uh, 
Next, I don't want to start just repeating all the good stuff uh, Kelly and Junior said, but I would say that, yeah, the more we talk about it, the more we make all adults aware, not just teachers, um, hopefully the more trusted adults there are out there that young people feel they can go and talk to. Yeah, and I uh, totally agree. It's, um, it's not as plain and simple as one size fits all for this. Um, so it's very much down to what the carer themselves wants to do. Um, now, um, here's a great little question that I think everyone can get involved with. Um, has coronavirus highlighted any additional help or policies that schools would or could provide? Um, let's ask uh, Hannah, would you like to go first with that? Oh, good question. Um, I think what it showed certainly from my personal working experience was it highlighted the need for me to talk more with education colleagues. Um, so Janine works for Education Scotland. There are also people who work on education who sit within Scottish government and work on that policy. Um, so for us, it was just kind of talking to each other about the work that we do. Um, and building those bridges and those lines of communication um, so that they can go away and talk to people about young carer stuff and I can go away and talk to people about education stuff. Um, so I think for us it highlighted the need to make sure we're communicating with each other within Scottish government. Um, so it's not necessarily a, a specific policy but it's just sort of a way of working if that makes sense. And I think for myself I think the policies are pretty good, but we haven't, um, we, coronavirus has really stretched um, how we use the policies and how we work together. And um, it has really highlighted, because um, young people for a long time were actually at home for a long time, uh, there has been far more communication between schools and homes. And I think it's raised the whole awareness of young people sit within a whole family and there's a lot more place, I think, now. We're starting to realise for us supporting whole families, not just seeing a, one young person who's in a school, but seeing them as part of their whole family and getting out and doing the support in a more um, all-round way around the family. So it might be that you realise that you actually have to help the family to help uh, a younger child, to be able to help an older child who's a younger young care, that sort of thing. Um, it's also very much made us uh, aware of using the other people who are really important to young people. So um, like youth workers, um, community workers, um, third sector, so the young care services. And I think there's all, we, what we've seen during COVID-19 is we've got a lot of opportunity to get all those supports much more coordinated and linked together. It doesn't have to just come from the school. And it just doesn't have to just be for that one child. It could be, we could be looking at the family as a whole. And if we could get that cracked, I think that would make a big difference in supporting young carers within their own family and, with, and within education. Um, so I don't know that it was a gap. I think coronavirus has shown us an opportunity that we need to exploit as we move forward. Amazing. Yeah, and I think just one of the things that came through for for me working for one of the national carer organizations and listening to young carers was digital exclusion um, a lot of young carer services work one-to-one -one and or working groups and it was very face-to-face -face work um, 
And when those groups stopped, they then moved online and a lot of young carers didn't have that resource. And I know during COVID, young carer services worked tirelessly to get funding, to be able to get tablets and iPads and all sorts of technology ideas and phones to help young carers. And some schools were aware of that. But I think it also highlighted to the government that not just for young carers, but digital exclusion was something that was happening all over Scotland. And that is something they're working on and they have allocated funds to go move on with this. So we'll be seeing a lot of that being implemented over the next couple of months. Yeah, and um, I think overall um, we've done pretty well um, with the situation that was, it was a very um, dynamic situation. I think overall um, it's gone really, really well. Um, I think we're just going to finish up. So um, with the podcasts, we have a kind of tradition of asking a, a little silly question to finish it off, end on a lovely lighthearted note. Um, and the question that I always ask is, what is everyone's favourite ice cream flavour? Um, so I think I will ask, let's ask Janine first. Janine, do you have a favourite ice cream flavour? Yes, and when I say it, everybody always screws their face up and goes, ooh, rum and raisin. I like rum and raisin, my favourite ice cream. I'm, I'm not going to ask you to justify that, but fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Um, let's go to Hannah next. Uh, I'm a sucker for a bit of mint chocolate chip. Uh, it's always been my favourite. Although a lot of people say to me it tastes like toothpaste, but I just think it's delicious. It's, it's good toothpaste, good toothpaste. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, finally, let's go to Kelly. Kelly, what is your favourite ice cream flavour? So I'm really decadent when it comes to ice cream. I'm a bit of an ice cream connoisseur. So I really like like a good Belgian chocolate, deep, like lots of chocolate in there, lots of chocolate sauce through it. Yeah, I love a good chocolate ice cream. Good choice. Now, if any past uh, guests on the podcast or any future guests on the podcast listening to that, that is the kind of answer that you should have. But yes, I would like to thank everyone for coming to the podcast. Um, it was really, really good to hear all the answers and get a little bit more information. Um, and I think it was really, really podcast overall. Uh, so thank you for coming. Thank you. Thanks, Sam. Um...